series on it's time to flourish. And I believe this is dear to God's heart, very dear to God's heart. In fact, if you remember a few weeks ago, I said the very first words that God spoke to his creation, Adam and Eve, was be fruitful and multiply. And that's all about flourishing. That's all about thriving. So we're going to continue today on it's time to flourish. And it's time to flourish like the cedar tree. You know, a few weeks ago, we looked at the palm tree and... Um, looked at the resourcefulness of that palm tree and how God wants us all to be resourceful and to be fruitful. And the Bible says in the book of Colossians that we'll be fruitful unto every good work. And, to, and, and last week we started on the cedar tree, and I'm going to continue that. I'm going to start off by reading from the book of Psalms 92. I'm going to read verse 12 to 14, Psalm 92, and from verse 12 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And then verse 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Glory to God. I love that promise in verse 14 where it says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. Sometimes people think that you flourish only when you're, you're 18 or 25 or 35 or maybe 45. It says here that they shall still bear fruit. They shall still be fruitful in old age. Now, old age is relative. Amen. As far as I'm concerned, 60 is the new 40. Amen. Some people will say 80 is the new 20. So it's really relative. But the Bible says that they will still flourish. They will still be fruitful. They will still bear fruit in old age. Amen? So if you're 85, expect that you're still going to bear some fruits. Amen? If you're 100, expect that according to the scripture, if you're the righteous, you will flourish. Can I hear a good amen? So it's a very powerful scripture. It talks about the righteous, so it's specific. I like what the Amplified Version says. It says the uncompromisingly righteous. And we looked at what that meant a few weeks ago. The righteous are those who know, they have a revelation of their righteousness in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians that, that you and I have the imputed righteousness of Christ. So we have a righteousness that is by faith. I like the declaration we made that I am righteous in Jesus Christ. You have right standing with Jesus Christ. Last week we saw that it also means those who practice righteousness and that's from the first john chapter 3 verse 7 it says he who practices righteousness is righteous glory and says as just as he is righteous so it's having the revelation that you're righteous by faith and working that right that that faith out the bible says faith without actions or works is dead amen so the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish praise god and what does it mean to flourish like the cedar tree? We started last week and we saw how the cedar tree was what is the most valuable and majestic tree that is described in the Bible. So many trees in the Bible, but it's one of the most precious and, and, and majestic trees. It grew abundantly in Palestine and especially in Lebanon. That's why the Bible says you will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. They were well known in Lebanon. The cedar is an evergreen tree. In other words, it, it, it's, it's one of those trees that has green leaves all the time. It grows to a height of about 100 feet and it can live up for up to thousands of years it actually lives can live for over a thousand years so it speaks of longevity it speaks of growth and and it speaks of strength durability toughness you know the the cedar also has the the, the wood of the cedar is reddish in color and the wood literally i guess it's, it's considered bitter to insects 
So it repels insects and also it resists rot. So the cedar wood was really popular and valuable for building. In fact, when people made idols, uh, the, the heathen made idols, they used cedar wood because of the durability. Uh, the people of Israel used the cedar wood to build the temples. You know, in Solomon's time, they used the wood, cedar wood, in the temple building. Amen. Also, it was used for palaces, like David's palace had a lot of cedar, and Solomon's palace had really a lot of cedar. So it was a precious wood that was used for shipbuilding and so many other things. Last week, we saw that like the evergreen tree that is strong and durable and has longevity, God wants every believer to grow and to mature in Christ. God doesn't want you to stay a babe in Christ. God's vision for you, God's goal for you, God's design for you is that you mature and become more and more like Jesus. Amen. You know, the blessings of God that come and all those things are, are, are his heart. But above everything else, he wants you to look like Jesus. Your character has to reflect the character of Jesus. Amen. God is looking for maturity. He doesn't want us always to be, to be taking in spiritual milk. He wants us to graduate to bread, spiritual bread, and then solid food. Paul says that solid food is for the mature. Amen. His heart is that we mature, we grow into maturity to be like Jesus. So my prayer is that every year as the year passes, you're more and more like Jesus. If you were cantankerous before, something has happened inside of you. So now you are a lot more pleasant. If you kept on gossiping, after a year, you should stop gossiping or the gossip would have dwindled. Amen. You should become more and more like Jesus. If you're stingy or, or tight-fisted, with, with the passing of years, you should be more open-handed and more generous because the Bible says the righteous are gracious. Just like our Heavenly Father is gracious, we should be gracious as well. So we looked at that. God wants us to grow in faith. He wants, to grow us in, he wants us to grow in love. He wants us to grow in, in, the, in his grace and in the knowledge of him. So he wants us to mature. So that's what we looked at last week. And last week we touched on this aspect that the cedar wood repels insects. And just like the cedar wood repels insects, God wants you and I to grow so that we can resist the devil. Hallelujah. He wants us to resist the devil. He doesn't want us to always be afraid of the dark. Amen. He wants us to be bold and strong. And if something is moving or whatever it is and the devil is attacking you, he wants you to grow like the cedar to be able to resist the devil. Praise God. Last week we saw how there are two important components. There's a lot more though, but in James chapter 4 verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, you and I are not, our destiny is not to be fleeing from the devil. Our destiny is to be submitting to God and his word, and then resisting the devil, and the devil's destiny is to flee from you. That's a good place to shout and say Hallelujah. You see, when we grow like the cedar, God, we grow in submission to God, uh, to God and his word. We grow in our ability to consciously resist the devil. The Bible says you are to submit yourself. Submit yourselves. You submit yourself. 
then your Bible says you resist the devil. If you submit to God, you resist the devil, the Bible says he will flee from you. So it's something you have to grow in. Don't always run to the pastor or the prayer warrior or your friend. When you're a babe in Christ, that's okay. Do that as often as you can. But after five years in Christ, ten years in Christ, you should be able to resist the devil yourself. Can I hear a good amen? And notice you have to do two things, you know, in this particular scripture. Some people will submit themselves to the word of God and submit themselves to God, but they don't resist the devil. And some people try to resist the devil and bind and loosen and all that, but they're not submitted to God. They're not submitted to his word. You submit yourself to the word and then you resist the devil and the Bible says he flees from you. Glory to God. That word submit is the Greek word hypotasso and it means to come under obedience and it's really a military term. It's like military troops that are put in order and each one of them in the troops are, are listening to the command, to, to basically to the commander, to the general, whoever is giving the orders and they are yielded to that command. So it's a little bit like Christians, you know, we have a commander in chief. And when he gives a command, we obey. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my word. Glory to God. So that's the, the kind of the picture of what submission means. You know, submission, godly submission is not the same as subjugation. That's why sometimes people are afraid because people have misused submission even in the kingdom of God. But submission is not the same as subjugation. Subjugation is bringing a person under dominion while godly submission is willfully yielding to another person's will. Willfully. But when somebody subjugates, they are forcing them. So, so husbands sometimes use this in the scripture, wives submit your wife, and then they subjugate their wives. That is not godly submission. I said, that's not godly submission. It's when you willfully yield to the will of God. Amen? So submission is, to God is a choice. I said, it's a choice. It doesn't come naturally. It's a choice we make. It's an attitude. And you just have to look at Jesus. Jesus is the greatest example of somebody who submitted totally to God. In fact, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're not mine. They're the words of the Father. He was totally yielded. He said, the works that I do are, are what I see the Father doing. He was yielded to the Father willingly. He wasn't forced to do it. Powerful scripture in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He's talking to believers. He's talking to you. He says, you... You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse 6 says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up. Notice what it says. He gave up his divine privileges. He chose to do it. It was not taken from him. He chose to give it up, his divine privileges. Notice what it says. He took the humble position of a slave. He did that. He took that position. And said that he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form. And Bible says in verse 8. He humbled himself. In obedience to God. Even to the point where he died. A criminal's death on a cross. This is the example of Jesus. Where he chose to be humble. He humbled himself. 
Folks, it takes humility to submit. The proud cannot submit. The proud resist submission. Humility is what will grant you that grace to be submissive to God. You see, humility is choosing to submit your will to the will of the Father. Humility is being willing to submit your will to the will of the Father. And the greatest example and picture of that is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where he says, Father, if it's, your, you know, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But then he said, but not as I will, but your will be done. That is the greatest expression. And many times you and I, are come to, we come to a place where we know what God's word says but we do not submit our wills to God's will. But humility is when we submit our will to the will of the Father. In the scriptures, you'll find that in many places where submission is taught in the Bible, humility is close by. I'll just give you two here. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, and it says 6 and 7, it says this, He gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but notice what it says, but gives grace to the humble. And then immediately after that, verse 7 says, therefore, submit to God. You notice that submission is close to, to humility. You, when you're humble, it's easier to submit. You see 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6 says the same thing. Likewise, you younger men, submit yourself to your elders. Now, I know this is kind of like a cultural shock to a lot of people. But the Bible says the younger should submit themselves to the elders. I, I knew I wouldn't get too many amens there. Thank you, Pastor Bob, for the amen. The elder just said Amen. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. It says, yes, all of you. Then it says, be submissive one to one another and be clothed with humility. Notice the humility there, right? It says, be submissive to one another. Now, this is also important because even though the Bible says we should submit ourselves to different authorities, governments, and spiritual leaders, it says, submit yourself to one another. And that is very important. Humility will do that. For example, you may be the senior pastor of a church of 20,000 and you go to the grocery store and, and when you go there, your member, okay, is there in the grocery store and she's a, 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 the manager of the store. You can't go there and then start sort of throwing your weight because you're the senior pastor of a church of 20,000 and expect that she should just listen to you. She's the manager there. She's the delegated authority. And the Bible is saying, submit one to another. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can't just go downstairs and Carol is there and say, oh no, you know, you got to change everything around and so on and so on. She's the delegated authority downstairs in the kitchen. I have to go and say, yes ma'am. I'm submitting to her. Is this making sense? Even in couples, in marriages, sometimes you have delegated authority inside the marriage. Yes, the husband is the head. But in that union, in that partnership, perhaps the woman is the one who deals with the finances. You can't say, I'm the man, so I've got to buy that 55-inch TV. What does the delegated authority say in that relationship? Okay, I better get back to the scripture here. Bible says, submissive to one another. But notice what it says, and be clothed with humility. Humility will enable you 
And God will give you the grace. Amen? And it says, it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he may exalt you in due time. All I'm saying is that it takes humility to be submissive. And when you're proud, you will resist submission no matter what it is. Submission to God and the authority of God is evident by submission to the authorities God places in your life. So you can't say I'm submissive to God and yet you, you just flaunt every authority that is in your life. And there's so much scripture to prove that. Romans 13:1 says, let every soul be subject to governing authorities. God has placed authorities in our lives. Okay? So for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Amen? Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Those spiritual leadership. Talking about spiritual leadership. It says their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Amen. But notice what it says, obey your spiritual leaders. That's the authority God has placed in your life spiritually. And you can't do that unless you're humble. You think, I went to university, I am a PhD, I'm a doctor, did he go to college? If God has placed him as your spiritual leader, then you need to submit to him and pray for him and pray for him. Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's one that's so difficult in this culture. And one that's even more difficult is husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. You see, I'm talking about this, but if husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, that is when we are submitting to what God wants in our hearts. So it's not only when your wife is being nice. You have to love her. Even as Christ loved the church, the church is very often not nice to God. The church of Laodicea, Christ was outside that church, but he still loved her. But the Bible says, wives, be submissive to your husbands, ask to the Lord. And then it talks about children, obey your parents. That's in Ephesians 6.1. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now notice all of this is in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. In other words, the caution is submitting to any authority should not be at the expense of the will of God. We looked at the examples in the last week, so I'm not going to go into that. The second thing is this area where we can resist the devil and repel him is to, and cause him to stay away is when we grow in our ability to use God's word as a spiritual sword. When we grow like the cedar to repel the devil, to res, we grow in our ability to resist the devil by having the word of God in our mouths, in our hearts, and we are able to resist the devil with the word of God. When God's word is spoken, it becomes like a sword of the spirit. And the devil can't stand it. So when you grow like the cedar, you grow in that conscious decision to resist the devil by having the word of God in your mouth. Amen? You see, when God's word is in our mouth, it's like Jesus' word was in, in, in uh, the word of God was in Jesus' mouth. That's how Jesus resisted the devil. I said that's how Jesus resisted the devil. Remember, Jesus was tempted by the devil. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, it gives you this account where the whole, after his, his baptism, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon him and everything. The Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And every single time, it was the word of God that was in Jesus' mouth that he used to speak to the devil. The devil spoke to Jesus. 
The devil speaks to us through suggestions. The battlefield is the mind. Amen? The battlefield is the mind. And each time, even Jesus chose to use the word of God. Each time the devil came and said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones and make them bread. And Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you are the son of God, then throw yourself down from the pinnacle of this temple. And, and, and then the devil starts using scripture. For it is written, he will let his angels take charge over you. And then Jesus said, it is also written. You should not test the Lord, your God. And notice, the devil kept at it. He didn't stop after the first time. The third time, he said, he, he said, look, if you would just worship me. He took him to the highest point, you know, and showed him the kingdoms of the world. He said, because this has been given to me. If you will worship me, you know, I'll give it all to you. And then Jesus said, away from me, Satan. It is written. You should worship your Lord God and him only shall you serve. What am I saying here? Each time Jesus used the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And notice what it says in Matthew 4.10. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him. Glory to God. He had to beat a retreat. He had to flee. He left him for an opportune time. Hallelujah. But Jesus used the sword of the spirit to repel the devil. That is the point I'm trying to make. It's time for us to grow like the cedar where the word of God is in our mouth. If you've been a Christian for some time, you should know some scriptures inside of your heart. And the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the word of God is powerful. It's the most powerful force on earth. It was by the word of God that the heavens and the earth were created. The mountains were created by the word. The hills and the valleys were created by the word. Everything that was on earth was created by the word. The stars and the sun, the galaxies were created by the word of God. Powerful. And we should begin to know, grow and hide the word of God in our hearts. And it should come out of our mouth. Bible says in the book of Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's powerful. There's something about the word. Revelations 1.16, when Jesus appeared to an apostle John on the island of Patmos, the Bible says he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance were like the sun shining in his strength. But notice what it says. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. What is that? The word of God. Isaiah 11.4 says this. He shall strike, talking of Messiah, shall strike with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Powerful. Revelations 19.15. Now, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. That which he should strike the nations. Notice the word of God is used as a weapon. So God wants his word inside of us. And he wants his word outside of us through our mouth. He wants us to be able to repel the devil. Like cedar wood repels insects. 
We submit to God. We resist the devil. And that's one way. Through the word in our mouth. Glory to God. God has given us a powerful spiritual weapon of his word. You see, the Bible says that the weapons that we have as Christians, they are powerful through God. They are not carnal. They are not natural weapons. Like when you think of a weapon, you know, straight away you may think of an AK-47 or a bazooka or whatever. It says, no, 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 no. Paul is saying here in the book of 2 Corinthians 10, 3, he says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. It says to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasonings and to destroy false arguments. The battlefield is in the mind. And the weapons God has given us are not carnal human weapons. They are spiritual weapons. One of the weapons is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Glory to God. 